well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us on the program today. Yeah, we are going to be talking a little bit more about uh, Joe Biden and his uh, trip to Monterey Park, California yesterday to uh, announce the unveiling of several new executive orders that really don't do much of anything at all. Uh, But it also allowed uh, Joe Biden to uh, once again repeat his call for Congress to ban so-called assault weapons. Yeah, this the uh, the headline that the president was looking for. Biden on gun control. Do something. Do something big. Yeah. And of course, uh, the something big that uh, Biden wants Congress to do is to, uh, quote, ban assault weapons. Right. President saying, I'm determined to ban assault weapons in high capacity magazines. Talking to uh, some of those in attendance, including some of the uh, families of victims of the shooting in Monterey Park, California, a state, of course, that already has a ban on so-called assault weapons and large capacity magazines and universal background checks and background checks for ammunition purchases. And I mean, I, I could go on a 10 day waiting period uh, until very recently may issue concealed carry. Uh, we still have a problem with a number of jurisdictions across California uh, charging hundreds of dollars in extraneous fees and administrative costs in order for you to exercise your right to bear arms in self-defense. Yeah, None of California's gun control laws stopped this attack. And in fact, according to the FBI, in 2021, the state with the most active shooting incidents was California, right? But again, this uh, gave Biden the uh, opportunity to uh, to stump for a ban that isn't going to pass in Congress, uh, not with Republicans in control of the House anyway. Um, So this ultimately amounted to, in my opinion, exploiting a tragedy. Uh, in the name of public relations. I won't even say it's public policy because, again, I think Biden knows that his call to ban guns uh, in Congress isn't going anywhere. So this was about public relations, not about public safety. Uh, And the same can be said for his executive orders, too, right? We've seen a lot of headlines, big takeaway. Oh, my gosh, more background checks are coming. Honestly, I kind of doubt it. I I, I really do. And if you notice, a lot of the media reports have been very vague about how uh, Biden's directive to the attorney general is actually going to lead to more background checks. Right. So under the bipartisan community, safer bipartisan, safer communities act that was passed last August, there was a slight change in defining who is engaged in the business of selling firearms. Uh, It used to be, I think the phrase was uh, livelihood and uh, profit. Right now, it's basically uh, if you sell a fire, if you if you are engaged in the business or you are engaged in the business of selling firearms, engaged in the business, right, requiring you to get a federal firearms license. Um, if you the the, the uh, livelihood word was dropped, however, the definition of engaged in the business still requires the government to show that individuals were repeatedly buying and reselling firearms for a profit. So you selling a gun from your collection, you selling off your entire firearms collection. Um, And maybe you use the proceeds to buy more guns. That doesn't turn you into a gun dealer. Uh, Now, maybe again, if you sold off your collection, you bought a bunch of new guns, you sold those guns, you bought a bunch of new guns, then maybe the government could say, aha, you are engaged in the business 
of dealing in firearms and you need an FFL. But by itself, this directive does not increase the number of background checks. And I really don't think it's going to increase the number of FFLs, to be quite honest. Um, This, again, seems to be more bloviation on the part of Biden than anything else. Now, as I wrote at Bearing Arms yesterday, there are a couple of things that do concern me. Um, The uh, directive for the DOD to uh, try to implement uh, gun safety measures through the purchasing of uh, small arms. That, that's a concern, right? Because that's the Biden administration basically telling the DOD, hey, we want you to be a gun control group. And uh, when you put out your request for proposals, when you put out uh, you know contracts uh, for small arms, we want you to, I don't know, maybe tell these companies, hey, listen, unless you are uh, no longer selling assault weapons to civilians, unless you stop manufacturing large capacity magazines, you're not going to win this bid, Right. That's what they're trying to do. Um, again, with Republicans in control of the House, I don't think those efforts are going to go far because the House controls the purse strings. And if the DOD decides that it wants to start playing gun control games, more Republicans can respond by saying, listen, why don't we just yank your funding and you don't get to buy any small arms this next year uh, until you give up your gun control quest, right? Biden also uh, requested that the Federal Trade Commission um, conduct an investigation and submit a report to the public uh, documenting the firearm industry's marketing practices, which uh, Biden uh, claimed they're marketing to kids. Uh, but Biden also said he, he wants the FTC to investigate the use of military imagery in selling firearms to civilians, which um, is not a crime, last time I checked, right? And when you have a number of veterans uh, and active duty military members who are exercising their Second Amendment rights, I don't see any issue with trying to appeal to that uh, section of your uh, your consumer base. But again, if you're Joe Biden, if you're an anti-gunner, oh my God, it's horrible, right? And of course, they don't want firearms uh, makers to advertise at all, right? They want to make this industry and gun ownership as taboo as possible. Um, but again, I don't know that that FTC report's really going to do anything. It's a right now you got three Democrats, you got one Republican. So anything that comes out of the FTC is rightfully going to be seen as a partisan hit piece, uh, you know, designed to go after the uh, firearms industry. I just don't really see a a lot of there there. Uh, And in fact, even the Associated Press and their report said uh, that Biden's action on Tuesday does not change government policy. Rather, it directs federal agencies to ensure compliance with existing laws and procedures. A typical feature of executive orders issued by presidents when they confront the limits of their own power to act without cooperation from Congress. Uh, Second Amendment advocates also panning the uh, executive orders. Uh, Second Amendment Foundation's Alan Gottlieb uh, saying that uh, this is going to do nothing to reduce violent crime. National Shooting Sports Foundation issuing a statement saying that Biden's uh, executive orders are either unconstitutional or uh, duplicative of existing law. Uh, USCCA. Uh, Katie Pointer Bainey, who's Managing Director of Government Affairs for USCCA, says the reality is that nothing in the president's executive order would have done anything to prevent the recent mass shootings in California, Michigan, or elsewhere. It's time for the president and political leaders across the country to have an honest conversation with the American people and acknowledge that there is no legislative fix that will permanently solve the issue of gun violence. Well, certainly the idea that we're going to ban our way to safety I think is absolutely absurd. Again, uh, the the laws that Biden wants at the federal level are already in place in California. 
and did not prevent the shootings at Monterey Park or in Monterey Park. Did not prevent any of the active shootings in 2021, again, when they say to California led the nation in terms of active shooting incidents. So, no, we're not going to ban our way to safety. We're not going to eradicate gun violence by obliterating the right to keep and bear arms in self-defense. And uh, I got to tell you, you know, Biden may have called on Congress to go big. But frankly, he's looking smaller and smaller on this issue. And uh, I think it's pretty telling, frankly, that, you know, Biden's go to now is to give a speech, issue some executive orders that largely do nothing. Uh, And now you've got gun control advocates singing his praises, right? Oh, it's a home run for public safety. That's what John Feinblatt of Everytown said. Is it? I wouldn't even call it a sacrifice bunt, to be honest with you. Um, But I think that gun control advocates and Joe Biden know that really they can talk. In blue states, they can certainly pass their anti-gun agenda, although not as easily as they might think for some of their big ticket items like gun bans. But uh, the tide is turning. You know, polls have come out showing uh, majority opposition to the types of uh, gun bans that Joe Biden's talking about. In fact, that Quinnipiac poll that came out a couple weeks ago, the largest opposition to a ban on so-called assault weapons came from the youngest voters, uh, those 18 to 24. Now, remember, that's the generation that's supposedly growing up and embracing gun control like never before. Not according to that poll. So Biden's going to continue pontificating. He's going to continue calling for a gun ban. He may very well indeed try to continue to abuse his authority and executive branch uh, uh, authority to uh, try to craft new laws uh, instead of, you know, um, interpreting existing regulations. We've seen that with the uh, frame and receiver rule. We've seen that with the pistol stabilizing brace rule. And I'm not ruling out uh, other mischief coming from the ATF. But I will say that, again, yesterday's announcement, mostly a lot of nothing, at least as far as I can tell. All right, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there with a uh, story, a really big story by the Boston Globe. And I I hate to say it because the Boston Globe has been horrible at reporting on Second Amendment issues. They, the the, the paper itself, not just the editorial board, but the reporters, um, I think have done a terrible job. Uh, Well, they've done a great job at uh, going after legal gun owners and demanding more gun control. But I think they've done a terrible job of covering um, the Second Amendment, particularly in the wake of the Bruin decision. But I will give them credit where credit is due. Uh, And this is a good piece talking about the suspect who was accused of killing a a 13-year-old boy. And they don't have a motive for this. As far as they know, this might have just been random. But the suspect uh, is the subject of a Boston Globe profile, the long-sordid history of the man charged in Tyler Lawrence's killing. And, you know, the Boston Globe doesn't, acknowledge the failure of all of these states' gun control laws when it comes to this long-sorted history with Sean Skerritt, which dates back to 2005. But their report does indicate and does reveal some of the problems that we talk about on this program every day in the criminal justice system. They say that uh, trouble has always clung to Sean Skerritt, 
started early with a middle school suspension for bringing a knife to class. Then came a suspended sentence for carjacking and assault and battery with a baseball bat. That was followed by a shoplifting spree at a uh, Somerville Walgreens on a weekday morning in 2005 when a store employee confronted him over the stolen candy, soda, and condoms. These then 16-year-old whipped out a knife and stabbed the man in the chest as witnesses looked on. The boy's rationale for the near-fatal attack? It wasn't his day. In the years since, the Boston Globe right, Scarrett has assaulted correctional officers, dodged a cocaine trafficking charge, escaped from youth detention workers. He was acquitted on a murder charge, bragged about his violent exploits, and survived gunshot wounds to the chest. Yeah. Um, despite his many travels through the criminal justice system, the Boston Globe right, so there's no easy answer as to why he was free to walk the streets. That day in January, he was allegedly uh, accused of uh, murdering 13-year-old Tyler Lawrence. Uh, how he skirted more lengthy prison sentences, according to the Boston Globe's exhaustive court files. In some cases, he was a juvenile. Other times, he was acquitted. At one time, prosecutors dropped a case against him before trial. You know, when you are dealing with somebody who, again, has a lengthy criminal history, what you're going to find is that, yeah, there are multiple reasons why individuals can escape consequences for their crimes. Um, in some cases, like this murder charge that Scarrett faced, he was acquitted, right? So this case went to a trial. A jury ruled that the prosecution did not have enough evidence uh, to convict him or to convince the jurors beyond a reasonable doubt that he was guilty of the crime. We might not like that outcome, but we have to accept that as part of the justice system. But when teenagers are getting probation for armed carjackings and assaulting people with baseball bats, that's a concern. And look, that may have happened 18 years ago, right? But we're still seeing these stories today. Just yesterday, remember our uh, recidivist report, the 17-year-old in Wisconsin who's charged with killing a 12-year-old over a pair of designer glasses. The 17-year-old out on felony probation at the time, and according to police, the 17-year-old has four adult convictions six adult read-in convictions, and six juvenile adjudications. And he was still out on the streets at 17 years of age. You know, these problems are not, right now they are an endemic part of our criminal justice system, but it doesn't have to be that way. Unfortunately, again, when you have politicians who are looking for a gun control solution, they don't want to talk about fixing the criminal justice system the way it needs to be fixed, right? Their fix is, uh, we'll let people out early. Reduce the number of people behind bars. Reduce the number of prisons. Reduce the number of facilities. Well, that's not always going to be the answer. It's great if crime is going down. It's great if we have people, you know, uh, locked away for nonviolent offenses when, you know, maybe there are more appropriate remedies here. But when we have repeat violent offenders who are being spit back out on the street, with little to no consequences, after they have either been convicted of a crime or far more frequently pled guilty to charges, that, that is the fundamental issue here, at least when it comes to public safety. Today's Armed citizen story from Texas, where a liquor store owner shot and killed a burglar inside his store. Uh, this was a, a couple of days ago. In uh, Cold Spring, Texas, the uh, San Jacinto County Sheriff's Office says the uh, owner of Frank's Liquor Store 
uh, called them early one morning. I think this was uh, I think it was actually a week ago, last Wednesday, saying that the business was being burglarized. Uh, authorities say when they were en route, they were told that the person who allegedly had broken into the store had been shot by the owner. When deputies arrived, they found the alleged burglar lying on the floor of the business, single gunshot wound. Uh, the uh, man later identified as Jeffrey Gunter, transported to the hospital where he later passed away. Investigators say surveillance footage showed Gunter entering the closed business through a drive through window and placing cigarettes and bottles of liquor inside of a bag. The uh, store owner was actually spending the night on the property. He woke up to the sound of an intruder in the store. He spotted Gunter in the storage room and he yelled out. Sheriff's office says that Gunter made a move towards the store owner. And that's when the store owner pulled the trigger, firing that one shot. Owner notified deputies, waited for them to arrive. Uh, authorities say the situation remains under investigation, but uh, at this point, no charges have been filed against the store owner. Sounds like he was acting in self-defense. We'll keep our eyes open and uh, bring you any more details as they become available. Finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. A uh, 74-year-old in Eugene, Oregon, uh, able to save a woman from a burning hotel. Yeah. This is pretty amazing, I got to tell you. Greg Spike, 74 years old, he goes out on a jog every day. But uh, Tuesday, he said uh, he took a shorter path than he normally takes. By the way, the fact that the 74-year-old is going out for a daily jog makes him a hero in my book. Uh, He said, I didn't have much time to go up into the hills. So he's on his running trail in Eugene, and he sees smoke. From this hotel fire, it was a, a three-alarm fire at the Valley River Inn back on uh, February 28th. Uh, started on the second floor late that morning before spreading up to the third floor. So Spike's there. He pulls out his phone. He's, you know, filming, as people do. And then he heard a woman cry out for help. Um, as it turns out, it was a woman uh, named Stacy Barkley uh, who was visiting family in Eugene. She was, uh, she's actually from Illinois, so she wasn't there you know, as a resident, but she was there in the room. And when Greg Spike heard her cries, he went to save her. Barkley told USA Today he didn't even hesitate. He ran right over. Um, Pretty incredible. You know, she's in her room. She thought she heard an alarm. She opened the door. She said the hallway was filled with smoke. So she closed the door. She called her husband. Husband says, you got to leave. But she said, I, I, I didn't know where the fire was. I didn't want to get disoriented. So she followed her husband's advice to close the door, put a towel underneath to try to keep the smoke out. But then she walked to the balcony and she saw the flames right next to her, basically, from an adjacent room. And that's when she said she started to panic. So she grabs him along and she put on her coat and shoes. She went to the patio door and she could feel the heat coming out. She said, I was afraid to go out there, but at that point, I wasn't sure what else to do. And that's when she saw Greg Spike. He yelled to her, get out, get out. But she said, smoke, there's too much smoke, I can't. So Greg Spike ran toward the building, told her to drop her bags to him, and then lower herself down. Greg Spike says, I said, come on, hit me, hit me. He was trying to tell her that he would break her fall. So she climbed over the railing, lowered herself as much as possible. She actually feel her feet touching his uplifted hands. He said, jump. So I did, and he was there to save me. It's incredible. Um, Barkley's daughter ended up reaching out to uh, Greg Spike's son. Barkley said that's how I got in contact with Greg in the local news. She was able to uh, reunite with uh, Greg, at least virtually speaking. Uh, Greg Spike has already been commended for his actions by the uh, Eugene Springfield Fire Department. He said what really hit me was she said it kept going through her mind that she would never see her unborn grandson. 
Well, now she does. And it's all because Greg Spike was in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to uh, help a stranger who desperately needed his uh, time and attention. So, Greg Spike, we thank you, sir, for your very, very good deed. And that is all the time we've got for you in this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. But I do want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. And I'm looking forward to spending more time with you again tomorrow. Don't forget, we also have our VIP Gold live chat, which happens every Wednesday. By the time you see this, you'll be able to watch it on demand if you're a VIP Gold member. But you'll miss out on the live show. Unless, of course, you become a VIP Gold member yourself. And next week, you can take part in the live chat. All you have to do, go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on either your VIP or VIP Gold membership. And as our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive content, new stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support really does matter and it really does make a difference. So thank you for doing it. Enjoy the rest of your hum day Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.